What a fascinating yet challenging time to be a leader. And in this Leading by Nature series, I interview pioneering leaders from diverse organizations, exploring future fit leadership and organizational development. I'm Giles Hutchins, executive coach, senior advisor and author of many books, the latest being Leading by Nature, which explores the inner nature and outer nature of the organization and the inner and outer nature of the leader as they journey toward regenerative futures. Welcome to the Leading by Nature podcast with myself, Giles Hutchins, and my very special guest today, Ricardo Bellini, CEO of the luxury house Chloe. Thank you, Ricardo, for being here with me today. Great to be Great to be with you today. Yeah, lovely. You're coming all the way in from Paris. Um, I, I know the weather's nice at the moment in Paris. So we're going to dive straight in because I know you're a busy man um, doing a lot of change in your organization. Um, we're going to explore a bit about Chloe, um, obviously um, the role of fashion as well. Um, but first, let's start a bit about Chloe's journey, its evolution. Um, perhaps start by sharing a bit about Chloe's reason for being, its passion and its purpose. Uh, passion and purpose actually was uh, what we had to, to, to bring back into this business. And let me tell you a bit the story. And uh, I joined Chloe two years and a half, amazing brand, amazing maison, and part of a great luxury group, which is Richmond. Uh, and I joined just before COVID. And we were faced with a great mission of turning around the business. Uh, usually fashion is quite cyclical. We were coming out of a weaker cycle, let's say. And the, the mission was to turn around uh, the overall business and set it up for a long-term sustainable growth. COVID hit, and COVID uh, has been a, an accelerator and a, a huge influence in the way we approach, actually, those very questions that you just asked, you know, because we were tasked clearly to, 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 build, to bring together a business plan. But uh, the, the situation on COVID and what was happening around the world brought us to think much deeper about uh, uh, aspect that we never ask ourselves, which was, what is the purpose of this, this business? You know, uh, what is the purpose of fashion overall in this moment? And now business and Chloe, uh, through its product, through its creativity, through its platform, can actually contribute to a purpose that goes significantly beyond just building a maison or a, or a great business. So we started the process into uh, reconnecting uh, to our own purpose, first and foremost. Uh, we started actually with our comics, uh, some personal purpose exercises, and then to the very purpose of the company. Uh, Cray was founded 70 years old, 70 years ago, sorry, and by an amazing woman, Gabby Aguillon, and differently from many fashion houses, was founded with a very clear vision of using the power of creativity to influence positively society by bringing through the creativity and through the vision of the brand a forward uh, thought on forward vision of femininity. Now, she used this word, which was libere la femme at the end, so liberate women. No? She was proposing this vision of women, empowering and uplifting women, and using her creativity, in the case of fashion, to deliver this. No? So we reconnected to that purpose and kind of brought it back to its trends, and then actualize it to the different context of the market context and the issue of today's society. You know, gender equality remains a fundamental issues. Sustainability and climate was another issue that we consider. And this led to a definition 
of a higher sense of purpose for the organization, which then infused the entire transformation plan, which as any business plan starts with your product, with your brand, with your distribution, with your organization. But the power of this transformation that then we started to put in place is that was truly purpose driven. And the purpose was rooted in the very soul and the DNA of the company. We call it women forward for a fairer future. Wow. So this connecting deep with the um, the essence of the living organization is really important, something we've been exploring in our own journey together. The role of fashion as well. You talk about, you know, creativity, beauty, manufacturing, all of these, you know, are, are factors that we need um, to change societal issues. Also, you have become the first luxury house to become B certified. Can you explain the importance of that in rethinking your business model, in allowing the organization not only to resonate with its deeper essence, but to also become future fit in these challenging times. Uh, So the the path to purpose and the moment in which we set the purpose at the core uh, led us to develop a pretty ambitious uh, sustainability agenda, now which touched the aspect of, call it social sustainability, but also environmental sustainability. What we needed was an operating model to get there because we had the ambition, but we didn't have the competences, we didn't have the know-how, we didn't have the cash. We knew how to do clothes, how to do beautiful bags maybe, but we, we missed that. And what we wanted is to really bring at the core of our narrative. So we needed a system that could give us uh, um, credibility. And also we needed the system that would help us to keep us accountable to the very purpose we were proclaiming because it's very difficult to make mistakes. That's where B Corp came came into the game. And I don't have to sell B Corp, but B Corp was not just giving us the managerial tool. And I often say it in this way because you have to go through a different type of uh, questionnaires and things. So it helps you actually to, to understand where it tackled it. But most importantly, because further enriched the very purpose of the business model, because in its philosophical approach, which is all about using the power of business to generate positive change in the world around you. So it's the concept of the triple PNL. So, so it kind of brought together you know, in a very accountable and measurable way you know, what, we, what our ambition was. We started the journey. We didn't know, honestly, I did not expect to achieve the certification, but the journey was more important than that because it gave me the measuring system and we got it. And this was a transformational move on many, many levels, internally and externally, and significantly beyond what our expectation was. Internally, because it kind of reinforced the sense of accountability and responsibility towards what we were doing. Because once you have big corp, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not a joke anymore or it's not uh, something that you may change. It's embedded in your DNA, in your books, even you know, in your legal framework of the company. And externally, it kind of brought to life what has always been behind our ambition in trying to be a strongly uh, a leader into sustainability, which was not just to lead and to win. And sustainability is not about a competitive matter, no? but was to lead to inspire others to follow and to really become a force to influence consumer, but also influence the industry towards a new way of doing business. 
And that, that what happened, you know, many people started to, to call and understand and, and wanted to know more. And, uh, you know, we started this cultural influence on the industry, which was, uh, which is still going on, which we're pretty proud of and uh, pretty powerful. So it pushes to be more ambitious. It pushes to stay on track and it helps others to follow. And the more we'll follow, the more, the more the industry and ultimately the world will benefit. That's now the dream. Well, certainly you are helping, I think, p provide um, an impetus for transformation in the fashion industry, which often gets, um, as you know, a bad rap. You must have found it difficult, surely, um, engaging some of your key shareholders on this journey, because you're, you're actually encouraging a shift from, from sort of shareholder focus into stakeholder, wider focus, which can sometimes come with the feeling that, oh, does that mean that shareholders aren't so important? Whereas, as we know, actually, you're widening the lens, therefore, you're building in more, more resilience. But to get people on board with that whilst engaging in transformation is in itself quite a big challenge and requires quite a lot of uh, leadership capability. How did you navigate that with some of your key parties that you had to engage with? So it was key to get shareholder support. But the way I think the reason, the very reason and the way we navigated, of course, COVID created a sense of urgency for this change, first and foremost, you know, uh, and uh, increased the level of awareness of the need to change, was first and foremost, the very reason was strategic, you know, the uh, embracing, you know, the world is going through three major, I think, changes when you look at from an economical point of view or strategic forces reshaping the market, which is technology. We all know, we all talk about uh, digital. It is uh, inequality, which is a big point and it will become more and more important and climate. Now, as a company, when you're thinking in the future, you know, it's affected those forces. We reshape entirely the market, the framework, the boundaries in which company will compete in the next 10 years. We reshape entirely the consumer choices you know, in many, many ways. So it is a strategic field where you need to have a point of view. You know? So in many ways, embracing you know, uh, a purpose-driven model and embracing sustainability at the core was first and foremost not an ethical imperative, which often is brought as such and is very difficult when you talk to shareholders, but it's about future-proving the company is about creating the, sol the solid ground for long-term value growth. The difference is that you grow value through values versus the traditional ways. Now, the challenge that you have as a leader with any businesses that has a financial framework, of course, is that to empower this, you need to fuel it with business results. It always has to bring the balance between the business results, with your social results, with your, with your environmental results. And that balance is absolutely legitimate and right. And that's why you need the, the mechanics of the business. You're just enlarging the set of KPIs that you put yourself as a target to define success. It's not just a financial KPI, but it's more also social or environmental KPI. And those last two are fundamental for long-term success of any company. Yeah. So this a bit need to uh, focus on long-term success rather than just short-termism amid an increasing complexity and volatility. Um, so allowing future fitness, I get, is, is a convincing argument with shareholders and, of course, is also um, creating market opportunity. In speaking to this long-term ability to create value, can you speak to what you see as this difference between sustainability 
and regeneration. As we both know, regeneration is a word that's been banded around a lot these days, and it's close to what we've been exploring together, and there's a lot to it. So could you just explain, um, it'd be, I think it'd be interesting for others to hear, you know, what, what do you see as the sort of simplistic difference between sustainability and regeneration? I think, uh, uh, and I think this is a big subject and a very interesting one, because it also has an influence in the way you approach the subject from a pure business point of view. You know? I tell you the way, I, I think the concept of regenerative is just much larger and probably more sustainable in itself. You know? uh, the way, uh, and, and I tell you through the own story we went through, essentially. You know, the story, when you start approaching a, a sustainability path, you know, so you start looking at the footprint of your business and you start thinking about how do I decrease your footprint, the, there is one thing that immediately kind of uh, jumps into the eyes of any leader, which is you're still talking about reducing uh, an impact uh, and making uh, less bad, but you still do bad. You know? Essentially, that's the concept. So, And this is really something that creates uh, a lot of uh, strategic questions, not just uh, personal questions, because you're just you know, reducing your footprint, but you still have a footprint. You know? So at a certain point, uh, you need to start looking at the rebalancing the footprint, what I call the handprint of, of a business, you know? so which is what is the positive contribution you give. You know? And that's where the concept of regenerative uh, comes in, because it's all about... Uh, giving back more than what you take, you know? and, uh, and you are an expert of this. I mean, your, your, by the way, your thinking has been instrumental in shaping also my thinking about what it means being regenerative, because it forces you to be much more creative. It forces you to look beyond the path of footprint and the many ways a company can create values for stakeholders at large, you know? as nature does. Mm. You know? Uh, so the giving back more than what you take within a planet that has more and more boundaries, I think is a, a much stronger concept for long-term sustainability in itself. Yeah. You see what? And it creates opportunity for creativity, for business. It unlock opportunity and they push you into new territories, yes. which is not just about, I try to reduce, you know, the tunnel vision of carbon. No, which is that's that's you know you look at carbon but you, you miss the larger ecosystem yes, yes. of a company yes your own your own ecosystem and the ecosystem in which you operate yes and we've been talking about this a bit haven't we we've been talking in our work together about you know seeing yourself as actually understanding the ecosystem um, both within the organization cutting across the different aspects and how you transform the inner nature of Chloe, but also the external nature, the way in which it shows up. And before we turn to the inner nature, um, you know, I know you've got some interesting value propositions that you've been doing around um, women forward. Um, um, that, that could you just bring to light a couple of the initiatives that you're doing about how Chloe is transforming the way it engages with the market? One of the power of company of our size is procurement is the way you produce, who, who you produce with, and the impact that that production can have. That's one side, upstream. The other, down, the other you know, side is, the, is your, your dialogue and your exchange with consumer. And as fashion is all about culture and at best influence society and reflect society, you know, the impact that it can have. So we started to shift you know, uh, our... Uh, production where we could and it's growing right, towards uh, uh, enterprises that are uh, can be defined as social enterprises and often women-led enterprises mm -hmm. 
And we started to use the power of business to create opportunities and job opportunities for women or for businesses that had a larger social impact. We do measure it through a social PNL, which we are working to establish together with university and academic world. You can only improve what you measure, but that's as simple as that. I just give an example, which I often do. We work with a company which is called CME on a collection of fashion jewelry, which is done by amazing women that got trained by this company to the art of jewelry making. But there are women that come from a violent situation at home and were rescued from this violent situation with the power of a job opportunity. We work with refugees through Made 51, which is another organization. We use the craft of refugees into our products. And these are a great example on how, you know, and we move volumes, we move quantity. And a great example on how an action like this can actually uh, make a difference on the life of people. And then we use the power of our platform, the power of our communication you know, to tell these stories you know, in order to increase the awareness. And I think there is a lot of um, work that we can do in building awareness to generate behavioral change and uh, around the world. You know? So, and that's what, of course, we are good at because we, we see ourselves as a platform uh, to give a voice, not just to what we do, but also to others. And that's as far as, as the world of, of women is concerned. And then, of course, we will do philanthropic activity. We work uh, on amazing projects uh, on girls' education, on digital skills. We do those type of things like many great companies does. No? But it's really uh, when you embed it into business and when you use the power of business, uh, that you generate really a, a good flow, you know, and you continue to do you know, great products, but the way you do it can make a difference. Yeah. So that same flow that you're creating out there in the market, of course, we can also create inside our own organization. And sometimes what happens with some very purposeful companies, they focus so much on the purpose out there that actually they start creating uh, toxic cultures inside by sort of by accident. Um, now, I know that you've also been going on quite a cultural transformative journey with Chloe over the last couple of years. Um, now, in the midst of COVID and the new world of working and so forth, can you speak to how you've been exploring how the values are lived and how people show up and how the, the way the dynamic of Chloe is shifting inside the culture of the organization? It's always very difficult to, to answer this question because the culture is a perception. Uh, so I would always give you my perception from the top. No? But I start saying that the whole uh, cultural change that we surely we are experiencing is still uh, a very much work in progress uh, process in the sense that uh, and we surely at the stage that is very different as we were last year. So, but it takes time and it, I think it takes uh, years. No? So in our we, we kind of gave ourselves five years. But there are, uh, and it goes, uh, we, we went through the kind of rejection phase and crisis phase, uh, which is usually linked to change and is usually linked also to disbelief in a way, you know, what the hell is this purpose about now, you know, to a situation in which we see this, this purpose uh, uh, manifesting, if you want, more and more into behaviors and especially into um, the power of attraction of new talent, which is what then accelerate that type of change. You know? So we went through a, a first resistance, you know, which was uh, not because they didn't believe in the purpose, but because, uh, because of two reasons. First of all, role modeling, because it's not just a PowerPoint that change a culture. You know? They needed to see in actions. The second reason was that there is a, when it comes to sustainability aspect, when it comes to 
regenerative uh, concepts, uh, uh, training is needed, uh, awareness and knowledge is needed. It's a different mindset. It was needed for me to get, a, to get acquainted on the subjects myself. No? So we went into investing a lot of training. And of course, people start to understand, start to see, start to reality. New people start to come in. And uh, that was actually one of the most powerful things, the power of attraction of talent. They were called by the great name, but the ambition also to find a more meaningful connection with the job started to increase. And this started to kind of go more and more touch, not just the bigger picture or the bigger decision that can be taken at the leadership team desk, but also the small behavior. And that's where I've been seeing now. So we are in the process, but I think we are in a good process. I can say that there is a uh, level of uh, engagement uh, to what we are doing, which is growing you know, uh, in different ways. Of course, we measure it. We do our engagement service. We got our shock at the beginning. Now we, we are working on it and so on. But I think the uh, what I see now is more and more creativity actually coming out. So in small example, where I see behavioral change in small things uh, coming from different corners of the company, which gave us a lot of... Uh, a lot of energy, actually, a lot of satisfaction. The, my personal realization in this, and this was exactly as you said it, you know, we started with an external purpose and I'm realizing from the many personal stories I'm witnessing with my people, the first very place where we are actually unleashing this purpose is with our people inside. So I've been seeing, uh, uh, you know, genuine gesture of um, gratitude from people feeling that, uh, you know, they found their place or they found their connection to a project or to themselves and so on. So we said we're going to, we want to, we have an ambition to uplift and uh, empower women and call it women or not necessarily linked to only women, but, uh, and then we started to see happening inside. Mm. No, and, uh, and this was not uh, honestly planned. Mm. It pushed us, though, and that's the learning process, to start uh, unfolding more and more within organization personal purpose exercises. Well, yeah. In people to figure out their own purpose, not just the company purpose, so that they could find a stronger connection between their own self and their work. Yeah. It was an experiment. It still is, because it's still in progress. But it's unfolding a completely different flow in many ways, and um, and great uh, story. So I, I see where it goes, yeah. but I'm confident that you know uh, time uh, will will tell. Yes, and- but it's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, we're unlocking the brilliance really of life in our organisation and across the organisation and and its ecosystem. But this isn't some linear path. It's, it, this is a part of the shift between sort of mechanistic to regenerative. Is this is a spiralling, twisting? And you know, I loved how you just said there that you had a five year plan, which for many organisations going into cultural change, you know, is you know unheard of. Um, I've just spent this afternoon with a CEO and and head of people and culture, where we're talking. They're sort of two years into quite a detailed journey of becoming regenerative and how you know coming up against some buffers and some challenges because they've had the first wave a bit like what you talked about getting over that hurdle and people leaving and realigning and then they're coming up to sort of a next wave which is really taking the organization to another level you know starting to bring in self-managing more agile ways of operating and so forth shifting from parent child into adult adult and you go through these waves because you're challenging people it's almost easier for people in a 
way to sort of stay back and relax and just sort of be told what to do. But you're encouraging people to bring out that brilliance, which goes through these sort of waves for themselves. So really interesting hearing how these little pockets are are emerging now in the organization and people are finding their own flow because that then allows the organization to start becoming regenerative in its own way, start singing with the essence of the organization. Yeah, and it's uh, that's the ambition. It's not uh, always as fluid, and you are a witness of this because in the tough time I was talking to you. <laughs> and uh, but uh, it's actually extremely energizing to see it unfold. Yeah, yeah. And now I'd like to turn to you, if I may, um, because of course it's um, very much about um, you know, the leader and and also embarking on their own journey as the organization is going through a journey. How have you found this for yourself? How has it challenged you as a leader and as a human being? It's interesting because closing and, and, and bridging to the point of leadership, you know, and closing, but first closing the point on cultural change, you know, what I wanted to say, it's unfolding and it's often unfolding. If I have to do a heat map of where it's unfolding, that heat map always had a leader at the top that is empowering that message and, and bringing it to life in a stronger way. You know? And it's, it's always the case on, on cultural change. It starts from people and it starts from leadership at all levels of the organization. For me, how it was, it's been, um, honestly, it's been a fascinating journey, but in many ways uh, I've been saying, and a tough one, you know, uh, because, uh, because of the, you know, because the job, uh, of a CEO and of any job, not CEO, no, of a leader is always uh, stretched by a lot of challenges every day, you know, and with all the complexity that this brings up from managing your energy, your level of motivation, your personal engagement, your personal regeneration in a want, you know, to be able to, to give and continuously give and, and, and receive essentially. So that has been the challenge. You know? But uh, I was lucky to, in a way, to to came in a moment in my life and where I feel I kind of had found that level of congruency between what I was doing and my inner purpose, what I call my inner game and my outer game, essentially. And, uh, and there's been a result of, of a long personal development journey that, that brought me where I am today. And now I feel I'm in that flow of, uh, of bringing myself into what I'm doing, in a sense. No? Yeah. And the complexity are complexity that are still related to my own flaws, you know, meaning that uh, it's the complexity that comes with my strengths and weaknesses, it's the complexity that comes with my emotional balance being up and down, uh, my physical energy with ups and downs. You know? And I think what has been the difference probably through this process is the level of self-awareness about those and therefore uh, the toolbox that then you use when, when, when you find yourself going through this type of challenges. No? And uh, what, what I learn strongly, but also, and, and I want to share my gratitude for this from you, is that it's very nice to set yourself on a path of making your business regenerative. But the first, the first <laughs> foremost <laughs> uh, focus on, on making sure that your approach to life is regenerative is on yourself <laughs> and uh, and that's been the, the the question i i often ask myself so how do i keep up that level of energy and engagement so that that i can bring it back and this applies also to the people within at the end of the day and within the organizations you now the tough moments are the moment where that 
regenerative uh, call it uh, energy has not been there or regenerative balance yeah. has not no, it's not been yeah, well, I, you'll see um, in the, the latest book, Leading by Nature, which I know you've got us a, a nice summer read for you as you play tennis in Chamonix this summer, will be um, that balance is a key part of this, um, as well as, as courage. And you are someone who has a natural propensity for courage. Uh, I also talk about this shift in adult developmental psychology from uh, achiever to regenerative and the, how that shift, a lot of leaders are at that achiever stage and it's the outer focus that energy is pouring out there they're drawing upon their resources they're making change happen out there and it becomes relentless it becomes tiring it also becomes actually tiring for the organization and for the cultural change program as well as their own energy and as what i've seen you do um, very well over the last few months is starting to realign the energies you're almost getting a figure of eight of energy going with you so you're still got that outward flow of energy but you're also developing the inner flow of energy your own regeneration so that you can be um, buoyant um, even in times of, of, of challenge and, and stress have you any little tips or any little um, practices that have helped you along the way with that figure of eight flow of, of regenerative energy but I, I give you the little tips, uh, but first I want to introduce a concept because this leads me to, to, the, to the tips. And it's a concept that was brought by, by a friend that somehow framed it in a way that kind of framed the personal development work that I did, you know? which is uh, a lot of when you talk about this balance, this moving from achiever to, to regeneration, uh, which often brings uh, with itself, you know, letting go of certain... Uh, fault system, false process that you have in your mind, the ego trips and uh, influence from society, influence for you know, all the things you have to be, you let go and you start moving into another space. The concept that, that, that they brought up for me is this concept of selfish altruism. And I explain you what that means because this was powerful in, in, uh, in, in kind of summarizing the process I went through. You know? And that's the trips. You know, the old source of, uh, for me, of... Uh, at the end of the day, satisfaction, but also satisfaction in job, but also a feeling of flow in my, in my job. It was a deeper work of, uh, you know, there was from inner to outer, call it, to kind of going deep and understanding myself and, and then try to realign my life, my job, uh, my choices, uh, my value system to, uh, to my inner life. You know, instead of uh, life, which is often outer, you know, call it, and sometimes achiever is outer, you know? Uh, outer focus versus inner focus. So that is the first trip. So, and everybody has his own methods and there are million methods and great people that can enter to do this, which is really, you know, inner to outer versus outer to inner. That kind of clarity about your personal purpose and why, and that's why I put the selfiness, you know, there is always, uh, you know, kind of uh, a, a drive that you have inside, which is your unique drive, is what then unlock your power of your altruism, of your giving back in a way, no? and kind of align, align these two together. No? Inner outer is the very process that we discussed even before when it comes to all transformation. You know, the first and foremost priority, you read it in any book, you always disregard it because you're focused on operation every day, but it's all about inner and outer. It's your company culture manifesting into everything you do first and foremost, rather than the other way around, essentially. You know? It's exactly the same process. So inner outer is the first big tip and using the method to do that. 
Then there is another element, and this really probably speaks to me, but I'm sure it speaks to everyone, which is uh, how, how you keep the energy and the, the, the call it balance, call it energy, call it, uh, you know, and, uh, and balance and energy is just not just the physical energy and the drive, but it's also your emotional energy. Uh, your ability to to perceive versus give, you know, it's all this is, uh, you know, all your concept, if I can use one of your concept, which is uh, the time, you know, the Kairos and Kronos, no, if I'm not mistaken, which stick into my mind, you know. Like there, I think it's really, uh, my advice is to develop your own, your own play, your, your own toolbox by understanding exactly what are the, the, actions, habits, anything that gives you energy, and what are the ones that actually drains your energy. That awareness you know, is, uh, is what can, can make miracle. You know? Because then once you're aware of this, you learn to kind of make sure your, your life, the way your priority, your agenda are built in this way. For me, it was about time with myself or it was time in nature. No, and everybody, time in nature for me has always been extremely powerful in actually regenerating myself and allowing myself that space, not just because I need work-life balance, but because it was instrumental to selfish altruism. It's, uh, I think uh, it helped me to, uh, you know, it helped me to manage the tough moment, which you still have. Yes. But uh, uh, it's a big topic because... Uh, a lot of the job of a leader is to learn to perceive even more if we talk ecosystem, even more if we talk environment that are becoming in the market more and more complex. So your ability not just to make things happen, but perceive the direction requires uh, that uh, your openness. Yes. Yeah, and to have that openness while so much is changing around you. This is the real challenge, the threshold that I think a lot of leaders have been asked to cross. And it's not for everyone because you're having to be more open, more sensitive, more interconnected. Um, you call it selfish altruism. I might change the word selfish to maybe self-connectedness. Um, so that's yes. a deep sense. I know it's a bad word, selfish, but I use it on purpose yes. because it kind of... Wakes people speaks. up a bit, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and you're an embodiment of that. And of course, you are in your own way, therefore helping walk that path of regeneration by inspiring others through what you do. Um, um, could you speak a little and, and, and then we'll we'll wrap up to the role of empathy and courage as you see it in this journey? Because, of course, empathizing, connecting, having that sense of energy with others, but also then having the courage, the, the, the French, I think, um, version of that, which is from the heart to cross the threshold and to lead people with that sense of energy that you have feels very important to me and your journey. As I said, you know, there is, and I'm sure everybody and you, you met leaders that can be extremely affected, but extremely cold, call it cold, you know? and leaders that actually are in their own space and their own flow that have an ability to be contagious. That being contagious, it's often, I mean, for me, uh, uh, very much linked to what I was telling you, being, you know, aligned to myself. You know, when I believe in something, then I'm able to transmit that energy you know, and to listen to that energy of the people back. You know? It's something that fuel. So when I say empathy, is really empathy with the, the mission, empathy with the business strategy, and then ultimately empathy with the organization. You know? 
uh, which sometimes can be kind of complicated when you're fixated on your business status and the organization is telling you something that is very different and you dismiss it as, oh, they're resistant to change. <laughs> so that is, I think, that ability to empathize with the pain points of an organization or with the strong point of organization is, it came to me almost naturally because that's my personality. Courage, you know, the strongest courage uh, for me is, uh, and I, I say it to angles, you know, you, you never define a courageous move uh, with yourself as courageous, you just do it, you know, and then somebody will tell, oh, you've been courageous, oh, really? No, but that, that courage comes from the fact that you really believe into something and you have that clarity in your mind and you know, you know? then it comes also, and that's one side, so I wouldn't say that, uh, you know, the courage was... Uh, was more a sense of responsibility and commitment to do what was right, to, to set the business for, for and take their choices. And then there is, I think, an aspect which sometimes it's difficult to balance with this empathy, with this passion, which is the need sometimes to be the, the, the lawmaker in an organization. So in certain cases, uh, you know, you need to, make, to, to, to fix the rules and to see what is right, what is wrong, to make the call and to make the decision. And it itself is a very daring type of actions to say this yes, this no. no? And uh, I had always a problem to think that this was being about authoritarian and all this kind of stuff. But the reality is that the job of leaders is also about fixing those boundaries no? for the energy to flow. But if you don't fix those boundaries, you have leaks. Yeah. No? and uh, or to drive focus or to you know that's uh, that's the part of where sometimes it's probably and that's where i would say for me has been the most courageous actions even towards myself to sometime you know to be dry to have a dry approach to fixing the rules yes. having that sensitivity and empathy and connection yet also being clear on boundaries it's a it's a it's a healthy tension to have as we explore the regenerative journey ricardo a lovely conversation with you um today uh, you have uh, created the first b corp certified luxury house in the world um you've taken the organization on a tremendous journey and are continuing with that journey um into um uncertain times um it's a real honor to be working with you ricardo thank you very much for this conversation this evening thank you gilles has been uh, exciting and inspirational and insightful as usual and thanks for your support all the way thank you for more on Leading by Nature, you can follow me, Giles Hutchins, on LinkedIn and visit gileshutchins.com for free downloads of tools and practices for regenerative leadership and future fit business. Also, watch out for my latest book, Leading by Nature, The Process of Becoming a Regenerative Leader. Mm-hmm.